Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Of Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and ScoreNorth.com. And it's time for a scoop session with our guy Darren Doogie Wolfson from the Five Eyewitness News Sports Department, the Hubbard TV Fantasy Football League, and also from the Scoop Podcast, which you can find on Apple, Spotify, ScoreNorth.com. Every Tuesday and Thursday, he joins us here on Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd for a little inside information and some speculation about Minnesota sports teams. Uh, on one hand, it's a great day because the sun is shining. It's fall crisp playoff air and the twins host a playoff game. On the other hand, we woke up this morning and our, uh, our good friend and former colleague Doogie Tom Pelissero reporting Justin Jefferson. We all kind of thought this was likely uh, it's now official that Justin Jefferson headed to injured reserve. He will miss at least four games. Yes. Good morning, Phil. Hello, Declan. Phil, no guarantees that Justin is for sure back after these four games. That would be the New Orleans game mid-November. No guarantees. Wait and see. But this absolutely could be beyond a four-week injury. Now, when Justin got hurt on Sunday, my colleague, Alec Osmus, who does excellent work as a photojournalist, he captured Justin coming off the field, giving a thumbs up to a Chiefs defender, Justin, in fact, tried to re-enter the game on Sunday. So maybe that was adrenaline, didn't realize the severity of the hamstring injury. But we're not talking a Royce Lewis-esque hamstring injury, you know, the lowest grade. You know how they do the grades and all that? Like Royce was able to return in 10 to 14 days. I think about Cody Lindenberg, Gophers linebacker. He injured his hamstring mid-August, then misses. You know, the idea was, hey, he'd be good to go. Second best defender for the Gophers, right? Tyler Newbin, then Cody Lindenberg of Anoka. He was ready to go to lead the linebacker core, right? And he wasn't ready for August 31st or September 1st, whatever the day was. They opened up against Nebraska. He then was trending to playing against North Carolina September 16th, did stuff in practice that week, then had a setback. And at this point, we haven't seen Cody on the field at all now. Cody likely back for the Iowa game on October 21st. But that's what we're talking about. 
it's as tricky an injury. Now, if you want to, you know, come back with plantar fasciitis, that's fine. I get it. That's a tricky injury as well. But I just think the hamstring is as tricky an injury, especially for a wide receiver in terms of cutting the things a wide receiver does. The hamstring is really, really tricky. So I'm just telling you, Phil, no guarantee at this point that he'll be back on November 12th. Uh, Dukes with the trade deadline three weeks away and the Vikings in a little bit of a tailspin here. And certainly they could dig themselves out or they can find themselves even deeper into the earth. Does this Jefferson injury compounded with more Vikings losses, does this give this team and more the organization in Quasi a little bit more clarity on what direction this team wants to head by the time that trade deadline rolls around on Halloween? Yeah, I mean, Declan, I don't know how it doesn't. Like Jacksonville, I can just tell you guys, I've said this going back months. Jacksonville had all sorts of interest in the offseason in Daniil Hunter. Yeah. At this point, execute that trade. I can make a case that Jacksonville can make a significant run in January in the AFC. The Chiefs yes. watching them in person on Sunday did not blow me away. The Buffalo Bills right now don't blow me away. Miami the, the, is Dol- good. the Dolphins should. but Yes, but I'm just saying I can make a compelling case that Jacksonville has a legit chance to make a significant run. Well, Jacksonville had interest, all sorts of interest in Daniil Hunter in the offseason. What are they willing to offer? But I'm just telling you, keep an eye on Jacksonville, probably some others. But if you're Quasi, you need to listen to these offers on Daniil Hunter. I'm sure they can move K.J. Osborne. The second they drafted Jordan Addison, K.J. Osborne wasn't coming back in 2024. So if there's a team out there, I can't find a real logical fit, maybe Atlanta. Kansas City. Atlanta could use another receiver. Maybe Kansas City. Absolutely. Although I think Rice, some of those young guys more, I think they'll get better and better yeah. as the year goes on. But sure, you can make a case, absolutely, for the Kansas City Chiefs. Point is, if you want to trade K.J. Osborne, depending on what you're looking for in return, would you settle for like a five or a six, or do you need higher draft capital? But I think there is a trade there to be had. Ezra Cleveland. It's not like they've tried to extend him, right? Now, the offensive line, I looked at the PFF grades. The offensive line has been really, really good, especially since week three. Like the last three weeks, the offensive line, rock solid. But I think you need to listen on Ezra Cleveland. Then the elephant in the room would be Kirk Cousins with the no trade clause. But if the season continues to spiral downward, I'm just telling you, like my sense, Phil, I'm telling you, I, I don't sense that. He's like, no, no way, no how. I'm married to Rosemount. We can't move like this, that. I, If the right opportunity presents itself, especially if the Vikings go to Kirk and say, hey, like, it's not we're happening. not yeah. re-signing you in March. Go chase a championship this year. That chasing isn't going to take place here in Minnesota. I'm just telling you, my sense is I have a hard time believing that Kirk is going to say no way, no how. I am using the power of this no trade clause. I don't want to leave Minnesota. I think he would be open-minded to the right situation is what I'm saying. Yeah, and guys, like this is such an interesting crossroads for the organization because everything about the ownership going back almost two decades, everything about, I think, Kevin O'Connell and the guys on the roster screams, keep pushing forward. You're These are close losses. This is not a dumpster fire franchise that's... You know, you're not getting beat 31 to three here. This isn't the Broncos situation where your your defense is historically bad. You're in these games at the end with a chance to win. So, like on one hand, I think it's really hard for ownership all the way down to sit here and say, 
let's not call it a tank, but let's call it, hey, this just isn't our year. So let's lean into that so that we can collect as many great assets as possible to start making the team better and younger and more dynamic in 2024. They've never leaned into that as a franchise, right? Like maybe you could, I mean, I'm trying to think 2010 was a train wreck year, but they didn't start like selling off pieces. They cut Randy Moss after they brought him in a month earlier, but they've, they've never stared at a situation like this. And in fairness, it's pretty rare that their, that their situation is the way it is right now. It was in 2020. Will they lean into it as an organization in the next month is my biggest question. Well, and I don't have that answer, Phil. I sure would hope so. Now, I do believe there will be some pushback from the coaching staff, specifically Kevin O'Connell, mm-hmm. that he will champion the idea that, hey, we still have all six division games in front of us. The NFC is the weaker of the two conferences. There still is a pathway. Now, my comeback to that is, Look at the Detroit schedule. Dude, Detroit's legit. Well, A, legit, but B, incredibly favorable schedule. You mm-hmm. should go game by game on the Detroit Lions' remaining schedule. I think they minimum get to 11 wins. 12 wins, now that they are 4-1, and one, is a very real possibility. So you yeah. are not winning the NFC North. So let's do it real what quick. I got in front of me. What are you making as a six or a seven seed? Go ahead. So it, they, they, they do get a couple tricky. I will say this. They have a couple tricky road games right now. So they, they go, they're coming off uh, a win against Carolina. They've, they've won three straight games. They've, by the way, they've won three straight games by two touchdowns or more. So that's something the Vikings, quite frankly, rarely do, which is win a game by more than a touchdown. The Lions have done it three times in a row here. You go at Tampa Bay. Probably not as good as their record says, but Tampa Bay is a tough beat. I saw Baker Mayfield is like the third best quarterback in the NFL against pressure so far this year, which has been his bugaboo in his career. Mm -hmm. Then they go at Baltimore, which is going to be a really tough game. Home against the Raiders by week at Chargers, home against Bears, home against Packers at New Orleans. They're feisty at Chicago, home against Denver train wreck. And then you get the Vikings twice in the last three games, plus whatever whatever Dallas is. I think Dallas will still be competitive um, on December 30th. So, yeah, I mean, that's 11 wins. They're already well, at four, right? 11. I mean, they only have yeah. one loss through five games. Yeah. So let's say it's 12 and five. They can lose four games. Okay, so you lose to Dallas. Yeah. You lose to the Chargers. You lose to Baltimore. Maybe you lose to Tampa. Point is... There's a very real pathway to 12 wins. Certainly 11, maybe as high as 13. How many wins gets you a wild card? 10 wins, right? 10 wins gets you maybe a wild card. So the Vikings would have Depending on tiebreakers. Like, you know, if you're the Vikings, you better beat New Orleans, for example, on November 12th, right? I mean, you know, it may come down to some head-to-head. Nine wins could get you in is what I'm saying. But even to get to nine from one in four... Can you find eight wins? Eight and four, right? You can find enough wins, but can you find eight? Dude, I mean, two against the Lions, the the Niners. Also, just the next four games, I hear a lot of chatter on, like, Vikings Twitter and that, like, oh, the the schedule lightens up here quite a bit. Okay, let's go through the next four games here. And this, I'm not, like, saying this to dump on Vikings fans who are sad about Justin Jefferson. I'm saying this, hey, if they go on a run, okay, cool. Maybe they get back into it. If they don't, Let's lean into what we're calling on Purple Daily an opportunity for roster adjustment going into 2024. <laughs> so the Bears coming up here, everyone's like, ah, oh, the Bears are garbage, right? Vikings going to beat the Bears. First of all, it's a road game at Soldier Field, never a given. 
The Bears have three extra days to prepare for it. Their offense has come alive. And this is the first home game since Dick Buckus, legendary franchise figurehead, passed away. They're going to be fired up to win one for, you know, their, their, you know, Bud Grant. I mean, I guess George Hallis is their Bud Grant, but you get the point. That's not a gimme game. In fact, I think that I haven't looked at a line yet, but there's a good chance that the Bears are the Bears favorite in that game. Um, Niners, we all know what that game looks like on paper. That's a Monday night game. So now it's a short week at Lambeau Field. Packers aren't great, but how many teams win the game after they played the 49ers on a short week, right? And then, well, Atlanta, you got Atlanta on the schedule. Atlanta's three and two and have the 11th best net points per play in the NFL. That's not a bad team. So I think two and two would actually be a great stretch here without Justin Jefferson. And what does that get you? So now you're three and six in the middle of November? Like it's. It's just the math is so hard, and I don't see how you rattle off like five straight wins with some tough teams and road games and no Justin Jefferson. So just, I don't know, just confront your reality here, I guess, is what I would say. Well, sure, and if Justin isn't then back for the New Orleans game, that's very much a toss-up game. I forget the schedule thereafter. I know there's a game Broncos, Broncos, Bears in November. Yeah. Yeah, and you've got the Bears here. So, I mean, there are opportunities to win. It's what we've talked about for years, Phil. It seems like they're once again stuck in middle purgatory. That they'll win enough games to not secure a top five draft pick, but that ultimately they are not making the playoffs. So, like, if you're going to truly hit rock bottom, go ahead and trade as many of these guys as you can trade. Like, I'm positive they absolutely can trade Daniil Hunter before October 31st. Execute that trade. K.J. Osborne, I would say execute that trade, right? Kirk, we can do a deeper dive on. We'll continue to do a deeper dive heading into October 31st. I'm just saying, I think right situation, he would waive his no trade. But K.J. for sure, Daniil for sure. Heck, would Jordan Hicks draw any interest? Probably not. I mean, heck, do you want to have a conversation about Harrison Smith? I mean, no guarantees that Harrison is back in 2024. They have so many guys on the final year of their contracts, to me, all those guys should be on the table. But at the top of that list, Daniil Hunter, K.J. Osborne. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom, and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. Dude, transition to the Twins who uh, host the Astros for games three and four. What's the latest with any updates to Royce Lewis maybe getting onto the field? Um, Joe Ryan maybe hopefully getting the ball in game four. What's the latest at the Twins as they uh, resume their series to the Astros on Tuesday afternoon? I feel bad for Royce. Him? Like I needed Devontae Adams to have a good game on Monday Night Football <laughs> against his former team, the Packers, for fantasy's sake. Devontae was okay, yeah. but he didn't score. So I feel bad. Yeah, I had a nice chat with Royce on Monday in the clubhouse. He's feeling good. He's looking good. I was out on the field for the Twins workout on Monday afternoon. He was there at third base like he was, you know, the week prior, like he was in Houston before the game won took place with the workout that that prior day 
I guess that would have been all these days are blending together, but that would have been Friday, right? So he was fielding ground balls Friday at Minute Maid Park, right? Continuing to field ground balls at third base on Monday. Rocco Baldelli telling us he is not ruling out the possibility that at some point this series or moving forward hmm. that Royce Lewis will return to third base. Now, I don't expect it to be today. Like today for game three, I fully expect Royce Lewis to be the DH. But the point is, Royce told me, you see it with your eyes. He looks so much better today compared to even a week ago, game one against Toronto, that the hamstring continues to get better and better. We know he's getting a ton of treatment that the possibility absolutely exists that we'll see him back at third base pretty darn soon. Dusty Baker telling us on Monday afternoon that probably Justin Verlander doesn't return on three days rest for game four. Phil, you might know this better than I, but has it been two years or four years? The last time Justin Verlander pitched on three days rest. Oh, I don't now know. Now that he's into his 40s, it's been a long time, point yeah. is. So now you'll wonder if the Twins win game three, if Houston has its season on the line, do they pivot? Do they say, okay, we need to roll with Verlander on three days rest in game four? But at this point, as we sit here on Tuesday morning ahead of game three, Dusty Baker laying it out there on the record. Hey, probably not for Verlander going wow. in game four. I would this welcome series that. is right there, right? When you've got Sonny Gray going in game three, if you need to get to a game five on Friday back in Houston, you've got Pablo Lopez, Joe Ryan, the expected starter for game four. This is all setting up brilliantly for the Twins. Twins have a huge, I mean, relatively baseball terms, huge advantage today. I think, I think Sonny Gray is by far the best starting pitcher in this game today. And we looked this up yesterday with Christian Although, Javier. Don't sleep on Javier, right? I mean, I just I think about the six no hit innings last year against the Phillies in the World Series. Yeah, he's, he's good. He had a pretty darn good ALCS start. Mm-hmm. He's been good his last three starts. Now the total body of work for this year, blah. Especially coming off the mm-hmm. success of 2022. But the point is, Christian Javier, there is some talent there. I don't know what Javier will see today, but he is capable. He is, I think, the, the biggest thing, and, and maybe it might be the cold weather might affect this in terms of like how far fly balls travel, but uh, Christian Javier has one of the highest fly ball rates of any starting pitcher in baseball, and the Twins lineup has one of the highest fly ball rates of a lineup and the second highest fly balls turned into home run rate. So the Twins hitters, they would, they would love to get balls up in the zone and hit fly balls all day long. Uh, the cold weather might maybe stop some of those from going over the fence, but Back to your Verlander point for a second. If the Twins win today and they take a 2-1 lead in the series, I welcome Justin Verlander if I'm the Twins pitching on short rest as a 40-year-old. I think there's a chance you could rough him up and just win the series right there. And then if they happen to win game four with Justin Verlander pitching on short rest, now they're kind of scrambling for game five in which you have a fully rested Pablo Lopez. So, I mean, if the Twins win game three, they have the Astros in a really tough spot for games four and five. And I would, if I had to choose, if I'm the Twins, I would take Verlander on short rest because I think it, it's your best chance to win. And then you're, you have a huge advantage in game five. So, yeah, I mean, it it's been years. I know it's been years since Verlander has pitched on three days rest. I'm mm-hmm. not even sure in game one if early in that game, his stuff was incredibly sharp. Like to me, he was hittable. He got better yeah. as the outing went on, but. Like, I wouldn't curl up in the fetal position if it happens to be Verlander in game four. Now, if it gets to a game five, to me, it's Framber Valdez, right? I mean, I know the Twins got to him in game two, but the Astros would roll with Framber Valdez 
for a game five, but with Pablo Lopez on the mound, you would still really, really like your chances. So to me, needing to win two more, this best of five is now a best of three. The Twins now having home field advantage. And with, of these three games, best of three, you have the possibility of Sonny Gray, then Pablo Lopez. I'd feel really, really good if I'm the Twins. And they're they're most likely going to throw Joe Ryan in game four, right, Dukes? I mean, yeah. I know they kind of have no other option. I mean, they maybe you could make a case Kenta Maeda on short rest for like a spot start for, for like three innings, but it's got to be Joe Ryan for game four, right? Yeah, I mean, it's not going to be Bailey Oberon three days rest. So, yeah, I mean, that would be the possibility, some sort of bullpen-esque game where Maeda goes for, you know, a few innings, but maybe not, you know, five or potentially six. But my understanding is Joe Ryan has been told, hey, prep as if you are the game four starter. Like we plan on using you for game four. What is interesting is Rocco on Monday afternoon at the podium was given every opportunity to announce his game four starter and said, Hey, we still need to talk through some things. Now the press conference schedule for today, it's listed at like 1130 or noon, sometime late morning or early afternoon, a few hours before first pitch that the twins will have their game four starter at the podium. So with that being said, I fully expect it to be Joe Ryan. Yeah. Hey, before we get uh, deeper into the scoop bag here, over at scorenorth.com, we have a collectibles wing that we think you might find very interesting if you're looking to deck out your man cave, looking for some awesome signed memorabilia for your office, whatever it may be. Courtesy of our friends at Universal Sports Auctions, several great items up for buy it now right now. Scorenorth.com slash shop and click on collectibles. On the YouTube channel, you can see the uh, custom signed sort of old school colors, Matt Boldy jersey here. Beautiful signature across the two on that number 12 and all kinds of other amazing stuff. Uh, scorenorth.com slash shop. Click on collectibles and use the promo code SCORE, S-K-O-R, at checkout for 10% off everything, the entire site wide. Uh, all right. You came on here last Thursday, Doogie, and uh, you floated some interesting I would say informed speculation about Mark Laurie, Alex Rodriguez, maybe not getting to the finish line to complete the transaction to be majority owners. You got some pushback on the internet, probably via text message. So do you have any follow-up off of your, your bombshell speculation from last Thursday on this show? You are correct, Phil. Got some blowback, got some feedback. Yeah. I mean, that means people are paying attention. So I appreciate the passion of all those individuals. I don't recall ever saying that the deal wouldn't get done. I passed along that unsolicited two people that I know well, have known well, that have their fingerprints all over the NBA, heck, the Wolves as well, said, hey, just keep your tentacles up. Just keep an eye on that situation. Mm -hmm. Let me clarify a couple things. Glenn Taylor has been on the Scoop podcast, so he laid this out. So it's been out there in my presence. Apologies for not laying this out last Thursday. But what December is, is, okay, if Mark and Alex want to make the final 20% payment, great. But really, they just need to exercise an option to make the payment. Then the money wouldn't be due until late March. That's why I've been saying this thing isn't really going to get done. If it does get to the finish line, it won't get done until way late in the season. I also made the point that, to me, this is more opinion-based but that Mark Laurie isn't as omnipresent as he was early in this process. Mark was in Abu Dhabi, so I made a mistake not pointing that out. I should have pointed that out last Thursday. I was 
aware of that information, just happened to not mention it. I apologize for that. I should have mentioned, hey, he was with the team in Abu Dhabi for whatever that is. I thought you I actually thought you did mention that last Thursday. I think you did say that last Thursday. I don't think I did. I put it out there. We said he wasn't at media day. Yeah, no, yeah, he wasn't at at media day. At least, you know, I was there for four or five hours, walked all around. I did not see him at media day. But he was in Abu Dhabi for whatever that is worth. Let me add, Mark Laurie knows a ton of people. He's already brought investors on board. If need be, I can imagine he can find more investors, right? He's raised all sorts of money for all sorts of different projects. So he's fully capable of finding more investors. I'm just saying, to me, we'll continue to keep an eye on it until they either exercise that option in December or complete the last 20% payment. It is a sweetheart price. We pointed that out on Thursday, Phil. It is a sweetheart price. They know they need to find a way to wrap this deal up. That if it doesn't happen now, it'll never happen for those guys because the price of these franchises continues to skyrocket. So the fact they got in at 155 or 159, 16 billion, sweetheart deal to buy the Wolves and Links. Also, for the sustainability, for the viability of this franchise for the next decade, two decades, two decades plus. You, I, we all want this deal to wrap up. It's not like I'm rooting against this deal happening. I think Mark and Alex repairing the relationship with Kevin Garnett, Mm -hmm. some other things, being forward thinkers, it would be very, very good for the sustainability of this franchise if this thing does get to the finish line. But when two people I trust that I've known for many, many years that have given me a lot of rock-solid information text me 24 hours apart, Now, maybe they're talking to the same person. Maybe that's where I need to seek a little bit of clarity on that front. But when they both reach out to me unsolicited, right? It's not like I was seeking out information. You know, phone dings, right? Boom. Text message, Mm -hmm. right? 24 hours apart. Hey, you need to keep an eye on this thing. Like, there are no guarantees this thing does wrap up. I was going to verbalize that. So I did that last Thursday. But Mm -hmm. never once have I said that this deal is not going to get to the finish line. Anything on the Jaden McDaniels front, too, as we get closer to the regular season? Are they probably just going to go in um, and maybe get this negotiation done in the off season or at the course of the regular season at some point? Yeah, so we're here, what, October 10th? The deadline is October 23rd, so 13 ga- uh, days to go. You look at the extension there in San Antonio. Devin, is the pronunciation, is it Vassell, Vassell? I think it's Vassell. I should know, right, after he signs a five-year, $135 million extension with bonuses to approach 146, unlikely to hit 146 based on the language of those bonuses, but guaranteed $135 million. If you're Jada McDaniels, if you're the Jada McDaniels camp, you're looking at that and saying, okay, like we're not signing for less than that. You look at all the teams that will have cap space next summer. If he gets the restricted free agency, there's an offer sheet out there to sign that would pay him handsomely. Now the Wolves can match that offer, but they might have to do some cap gymnastics. We'll cross that bridge next summer. But point is, like, he's not taking less than what Devin signed for. So negotiations are ongoing, but the Wolves know the price of poker. When I did that social media post in July suggesting 21 to $24 million a year, I did say closer to $24 million. That was more wishful thinking on the Wolves' part. Yeah. They would have loved to wrap up an extension middle of the summer at $24 million a year. But at this point, we're talking about 28th, 29th, maybe even $30 million a year. 
what he can get, or at least what he believes he can get on the open market next summer with all the teams. It's going to be close to half the league will have rock-solid cap space. And if you look at the 2024 free agency class, not real strong. So to me, if you're Jaden, if you're Jaden's representation, you would feel pretty darn good about an offer sheet being out there. Now, if the Wolves want to match the offer sheet, great. But that there's an offer sheet to sign for a ton of money next summer. So negotiations ongoing in the Wolves' ideal world. Heck, this deal would have been done already. They'll continue to negotiate with the Jaden camp. But the Wolves know how much it will cost to get a deal done by October 23rd. Yeah. I'm excited, man. Kyle and I just did a Flagrant Howls episode yesterday in which we spent the first 20 minutes overreacting to the first two preseason games. I mean, it's easy to overreact. Carl Anthony Towns, you and I were talking at Media Day. He brought some weird energy to Media Day, but he's also just kind of a, you know, he's kind of an up and down emotional guy. Well, Uh, and considering, Phil, what maybe you and Kyle brought this up, but you consider his comments with Paul George this summer. With Pat Bev, those podcasts, yeah. right? All he's those trying to keep it, trying to keep it. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think he's now <laughs> trying to keep it very much on the down. Though. But he looked great in those first two preseason games. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know, I think one thing I really like about this team is you're swapping out a lot of minutes from guys that were replacement level or below, like Jalen Noel, the second half of the season version of Jordan McLaughlin. There's, there's just some guys in there. Even Torian Prince is a good player, but Shake Milton looked phenomenal in two preseason games. Nikhil Alexander-Walker, these guys love and embrace these sort of peripheral roles on a team like this. Uh, Even Rudy Gobert had a push shot at one point in one of those preseason games. So totally overreacting to two preseason games in Abu Dhabi. But this feels like a team that I I would watch out for this. The first two months of the season are usually a snooze fest in the NBA. They've added the in-season tournament. I feel like... The Wolves are going to care more about coming out hot and showing the league, hey, we're better than we were last year. The Warriors don't give a rip about the in-season tournament. The Lakers and LeBron, the Nuggets just won the title. They don't care. They, they're going to try and peak in April, right? I think the Wolves might come out blazing and try and prove to the league, hey, we're going to hang a banner. It's going to be the in-season tournament banner. So I, I look for them to have maybe a hot start here, Doogie. Am I, am I just being a homer? No, you're not being a homer. I mean, that's the idea. Now, whether it comes to fruition remains to be seen. But, yes, they are full steam ahead. They treated those two games against Dallas and Abu Dhabi like those were regular. Dude, they're like diving on the floor for loose balls and stuff. It It was amazing. Because they know, okay, the goal last year at this time was top four seed in the Western Conference to give them the best opportunity to win at least one series to advance past the first round. That, again, whether it's stated on the record or not, is 100% the goal that we need to be a top-four seed in the Western Conference. If you're going to be top-four in that bear of a conference, yeah, you better get off to a really, really good start. So that absolutely is the idea, a pathway to 45, 46, 47, 48 wins, maybe even 50, to capture a top-four seed come April, late April, where they give themselves the best opportunity to win at least one playoff series. The ultimate goal is to win more, but certainly win at least one playoff series. Also on Cat, not to light a fuse here at the very end, but his name did come up very quietly in the summer. Like the Wolves did have casual (laughs) conversations with Portland about Damian Lillard, right? Like that we know. Now it never ever came like remotely close, but Cat's name was quietly floated out there 
a little bit. So I wonder if he's heard some stuff behind the scenes, if he's motivated by that. Still think it's interesting to keep an eye on his situation. I never said he was going to get traded this summer, this offseason, but you know, we'll just we'll keep an eye on how things play out. I wouldn't rule out something come next summer. Yes, yeah. it's a ton of money, right? But all it takes is one. I still think if you wanted to trade Cat, you could. So depending on how this year goes, that would be a situation I'd keep an eye on come late June, early July. Wow. Great session here, Dukes. Thanks for uh, jumping in. I know the, the schedule today is a little bit uh, wonky for all of us because the Twins are still alive in the playoffs at the latest date, uh, I think, since Target Field opened. But appreciate you jumping on here. Great scoop session. Can't wait for the aggregators to grab some stuff from this and uh, <laughs> throw it back in your face. I appreciate your flexibility. Yeah, I'm doing some midday hits on Channel 5, Channel 45 here in the Twin Cities viewing area. Derek Falvey, Twins President of Operations, will join me live on the field at about 11.04 this morning. Boom. Awesome, man. Darren Doogie Wolfson from the 5 Eyewitness News sports team. We'll see you on Thursday, dudes. Okay. See you, boys. Bye-bye. All right. There he is. Um, We've got Scornar Twin Show running daily until the Twins are out. We've got reaction to the Justin Jefferson injured reserve move on Purple Daily today. And, uh, yeah, Judd's in today. He's just doing his Tom Bernard hit. Our schedules are off. So that's a wrap on this scoop session. We'll see you guys on our other podcast today across Score North.